Good morning, and peace be with you. I'm sorry I'm late. <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> you must be Carol's sister. Hi, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt it again. I'm Pastor Ken. Nice to meet you. Welcome. Okay. You'll find out that I kind of go, squirrel, <laughs> and uh, they're used to it, so <laughs> welcome, welcome to California. Uh, some announcements I would love for you to take a look at. I will mention two, the top two here. Our month, this month's donations go to help uh, Orange County Care Connection Ministry. That is a ministry for adult daycare uh, of uh, seniors who have Alzheimer's disease, and it is at um, the uh, Grace Lutheran Church. So please uh, prayerfully consider uh, donating uh, for that. That would be wonderful, and that is for the rest of this month. And then 60 Years of Blessings in November. Uh, we are going to be celebrating our 60th birthday, and that is happening on November the 6th. And if you are interested in helping in any way, please come to our next meeting on Monday, August the 9th at 11 a.m. Everyone is welcome. Please contact the office if you have any questions. And that's it, short and sweet. We will get started right now. Hit it, Tim. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my soul. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease. Comforter, my all and all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took our flesh, fullness of God in helpless faith. This gift of love and righteousness Scorned by the ones He came to save Till on the cross as Jesus died The wrath of God was satisfied For every sin on Him was laid Here in the death of Christ I live
bursting forth in glorious death. Out from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, since Christ has lost its grip on me. Precious blood of Christ No guilt in life, no fear in death This is the power of Christ in me From life's first cry to final breath Jesus commands my Calls me home here in the park of Christ. I'll stand. We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and unjust will forgive of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's take a moment for silent reflection. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us. Renew us and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Now, Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as you are called and ordained servant of Christ, 
and by his authority. I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God, Alleluia, sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation, blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, though we do not deserve your goodness, still you provide for all our needs of body and soul. Grant us your Holy Spirit that we may acknowledge your gifts, give thanks for all your benefits, and serve you in willing obedience. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading this morning is taken from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 23, verses 1 through 6. And this can be found on page 1210 in the Pew Bible. This was written about 600 years before Christ, and it prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple and enslavement of the Israelites into Babylon with future hope to be returned. This is all because of disrespect and disobedience to God's precepts. We should uh, think of this in terms of our society today. These prophets are timeless. It does forecast the coming of Christ as well. Jeremiah chapter 23, beginning with the first verse. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend to my people. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of the countries where I have driven them and will bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them, and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and. Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. Our second reading is familiar. It's Psalm 23. This is a psalm written in celebration for being saved by King David after he had been rescued from one of his many calamities. We read it responsibly. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Our epistle this morning is a letter to Christian Gentiles in Ephesus, Greece. It's from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 11 through 22, and this can be found on page 1819 in your pew Bible. This was written about 30 years after the resurrection while Paul was imprisoned in Rome. 
Again, he's writing to Gentiles in Ephesus, Greece. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you please stand if you're able? Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark from the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is indeed from St. Mark from the sixth chapter. It's found on page 1562 in the Pew Bible, Mark 6, verses 30 through 44. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, that they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them 
many things. And by this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. And then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And he also divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Now, today's uh, gospel tells us when he went ashore. Well, let me, <laughs> let me start at the beginning. Hopefully I have my page one here. I don't. How does that happen? Panic in River City. Today's gospel tells us that um, he went ashore uh, after having been followed by the people. They recognized him on the boat. They could tell where he was going. And so what Jesus had proposed to his disciples as a time of uh, rest, he basically said, hey, let's go on a cruise, get out of here and unwind a little bit, because you guys have been busy, you've been casting out demons, you've been curing people, you've been teaching my word, you don't have enough time to eat. You're going to get burnt out. So let's go on a cruise. And they headed off across the lake, and they were going to be at a beachside retreat, and it was all ruined. And rather than be like me, when you see that plans don't come the way that you wanted to them, Jesus is opposite. It says, 
when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. There's a Greek word I'm going to teach you, and it describes the uh, sense of compassion that Jesus had, and it comes from the heart. Jesus had, and there's a Greek word describes, it's called splonknizomai, splonkzidzomai. It is a powerful compassion that he felt for these people, a compassion that comes from the depths of his inner being. I'd like to think that I could have splonknizomai, feelings for somebody, but that's something Jesus had, and anything that I have that comes close would be a not even a close proximity, just kind of a counterfeit of it. Splonk nizomai. Compassion for the people that are interrupting and crowding around his self and his, his disciples. Now as the good shepherd, he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. They were helpless they were lost. And as an excellent shepherd, the best that ever could be, he began to care for their souls with his teachings. And the crowds were so intent on his teaching that they forgot that they were out in the middle of nowhere without food their desire to be with Jesus, their desire to be with Jesus and to hear his teaching and to receive his gifts had caused them to forget about planning for their physical hunger. The disciples, on the other hand, were very aware of the resources that they needed to feed these people. Because they were out in the middle of nowhere, such a crowd of people would overwhelm the local resources. Imagine such as nearby farms or villages. 5,000 people, all hungry, show up at your farm. Think about it for a moment. Think about the effort that it takes, let's say, to feed a spaghetti meal or fish and bread to 500 people. Then multiply that by the number of 10. And then remember this, that the disciples were walking, and the only things that they have to carry food are things like baskets, baskets about the size of a picnic basket. So even if they had enough food, or enough money to buy supplies, it would still be a logistical nightmare to, just like that, feed 5,000 people. They were convinced that they were in an impossible situation. Impossible. And so Jesus says to his disciples, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Now, we need to remember that these disciples had just returned from a mission 
where they cured the sick and they cast out demons. In the name of Jesus, they cast out demons. Now, the right answer from them to Jesus would have been something like, okay, Lord, what did you have in mind? But instead, the disciples began explaining to God why it was impossible for them to feed all of these people. Do you see the difference in the responses? They could have said, okay, Lord, what do you got in mind? But instead they said, it ain't going to happen. How not unlike me. (laughs) Jesus went ahead and he showed that nothing, once again, would be impossible with God. And he fed those crowds using five loaves of bread and a couple of very unremarkable fish. And when the meal was over, we read that the leftovers were more than the original amount of food that they had begun with. Twelve basketfuls of scraps. And this miracle does more than show us the power of God because it gives us a picture of the holy Christian church. Jesus did not walk up to every single person and hand them their filet fish They didn't have a drive-thru. Instead, he gave the food to his disciples to give to the people. This is the way that the Lord does things. This is the way that he does things. He does a miracle, and then he distributes his gifts through his disciples. Now, the feeding of the 5,000 and later the feeding of the 4,000 provides a picture of Jesus' church in which his miraculous gifts are given by his pastors to us. Can you think of some of those gifts that he gives to the pastors to give to you? You're looking straight ahead at a couple of them. Sacraments. Jesus accomplished the miracle of our salvation by dying for our sins and rising again. His apostles, they're sent into the world to preach that God is the good news, that Jesus is the good news of God that walked amongst us. Jesus was baptized, we know, in the Jordan River. And miraculously, he took upon himself our sins and their guilt. Now, his, his, his preachers baptize to deliver that righteousness to us. Jesus miraculously faced a guilty verdict for our sins. And his ministers deliver that not guilty verdict to you. Jesus offered himself on the cross as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. His pastors distribute the same flesh and blood of the Lamb of God for us to eat and to drink. 
Jesus does the work. Amen? Jesus does the work. His disciples distribute the gifts to his people. Now many people forget that. Many people forget that the true reason for going to church to meet Christ and to receive his gifts. Instead, they go to church for entertainment or to keep mom and dad happy or because it is an old habit or for some sort of duty. And from time to time, we all forget that we are here as God's guests. And he deeply desires to serve us from the deep inner core of his being, his splunknizomai. At the center of his heart, he looks upon you and has a desire deep in his heart to give you his gifts. And sometimes we forget that it is called the divine service because it is God's service to us. It might be helpful to remember that Judas, Judas, the one that betrayed Jesus, he was still among the disciples. He was there along with the rest of the twelve, and he was handing out the bread and the fish. Judas. Do you suppose, let me ask you this, since Judas, and we know what he did, do you suppose that the fish and the bread that Judas distributed was less wholesome and less worthy and less filling than the other food that the, was distributed by the other disciples? Was it less than theirs? Of course not. The fish and the bread were God's gifts to the people in that place. And Judas was just a, another waiter, as were the other disciples. Because the food came from Jesus. Now, during the Reformation, in Martin Luther's day, some of the laity found out that their old priests had been corrupt. What is laity? Well, you is laity. Some of the people found out that some of the old priests had been corrupt, and they were worried that everything that a corrupt priest did was invalid. And Luther, full of wisdom, wisdom by the Holy Spirit, he said, and you can read this in the large catechism, it's of the sacrament of the altar. It's uh, paragraph 15. Luther writes this, It is easy to reply to all kinds of questions about which people are troubled at the present time, such as this one. Can even a wicked priest serve at and administer the sacrament? And whatever other questions like this there may be, for here we conclude and say, even though an imposter takes or distributes the sacrament, 
a person still receives the true sacrament. That is, Christ's true body and blood, just as truly as a person who receives or administers it in the most worthy way. For the sacrament is not founded upon people's holiness, not upon people's holiness, but upon God's word. Just as no saint on earth Indeed, no angel in heaven can make bread and wine be Christ's body and blood. So also, no one can change or alter it, even though it is misused. The word by which it became a sacrament and was instituted does not become false because of the person or his unbelief. For Christ does not say, if you believe or are worthy, you receive my body and blood. No. He says, take, eat, and drink. This is my body and blood. That is like saying this. No matter whether you are worthy or unworthy, you have here his body and blood by virtue of these words that are added to the bread and the wine, period. So, we're winding it up here. The pastor, your pastor, any pastor, is just the waiter. It is Jesus who prepares the meal. It is Jesus who was baptized in the Jordan and made water holy when it is administered with his word according to his command. It is Jesus who earned forgiveness for us and gives the words of forgiveness to the pastor to give to you. It is Jesus who gave his teachings to the prophets and the apostles so that the pastor so that the pastor can give it to you. It is Jesus who gave up his body on the cross for you and administers the same body to you by mouth as the pastor gives you the bread of the sacrament. It is Jesus who shed his blood on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins and administers that same blood to you by mouth as the pastor gives you the wine of the sacrament. Think about it. God in the flesh, his baptism on your skin, his absolution and preaching in your ears and his true body and blood in your mouth are his gifts to you. Last thing. The ruler of this and every other universe he loves you, and he wants to give his divine service 
to you. He wants to give you the gifts. What are the gifts that you receive in his service? He wants to give you the gifts of forgiveness, the gift of life and salvation that he earned for you on the cross. And he has opened up heaven for you with his resurrection. And he promised his presence to you with his ascension. And he gives all these things to us. Just as he gave bread, just as he gave fish to the crowds out in the middle of nowhere. And he sends his servants to bring his service to you. This is why we gather today and every Sunday in worship. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Please stand if you're able. Let us now confess together our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. And on the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As a family in Jesus Christ, let us pray. Dear Lord, creator of the universe and everything in it, we gather today to praise your holy trinity as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, yet one almighty God. We're struck silent with awe as we consider the love, patience, and care you provide humankind every day in spite of our mistakes, ignorance, arrogance, and all too often violence towards one another. And yet we complain about the unfairness and injustice in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for not being fair and not enforcing your justice upon us. Thank you for always being with us, even when life happens. We're sorry for not completely trusting you, especially when things don't go our way or in accordance with our plans. Thank you, Father, for never letting go of us and comforting us when we worry all the time about what's over the horizon, reminding us that heaven is over the horizon for us, and however rough the journey, the destination is perfect and well worth the discomfort getting there. Heavenly Father, we pray for our world. It's an incredible mess that only we could create with the help of Satan, who constantly guides our sin. Please guide us in our actions, give us wisdom, whether or not we seek it, and encourage us to be kind to one another. Help us recognize Satan in our daily lives and turn away, and towards the light which is your Son, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Holy Father, Almighty God, please help and protect our children and help us as parents, grandparents, teachers, and friends to lead teach and show our children how to manage anger, 
show compassion, love one another, and turn from evil influences in their lives, whether in video games, movies, social media, news media, or even in our school classrooms. Help us as adults model the best behavior in our relationships with others. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of our nation, guided and protected by you since its founding and through many conflicts and wars. We remained standing as one nation under you. However, we know that many of our leaders and citizens today have turned their backs on you and your precepts. They are arrogant in defying you, Holy Father. Some seek to change our governance from one guided by you into the atheist governments of socialism, communism, and Marxism, even while thousands of families risk their lives and even lose those lives to escape Russia, Cuba, Venezuela, North Korea, and China. Please shine light on the fools in our country who seek to impose the evil of these systems for their own personal power upon the naive in our nation. Guide us to expose the lies and deceit being proffered to our younger generations as they mature into future leaders. Humble our present leaders, judges, and representatives in government. Give them all wisdom, humility, patience, and understanding, and the resolve to do what's right in your eyes, Holy Father, not their eyes, which are clouded with sin. Let us heed the warnings of your Old Testament prophets to not continue testing your patience because we know your discipline can be harsh when warranted. We pray for your church on earth, its leaders, ministers, missionaries, and congregations of believers. Please, Holy Spirit, keep us true in our faith in Jesus, our Savior. Please continue to be with our small congregation of believers and family in Jesus Christ here at Reformation Lutheran Church. We also pray for the firefighters battling wildfires throughout the Northwest states and for moderate weather to help firefighting efforts. Again, we pray for the safety of our police, law enforcement officers, and armed forces personnel wherever serving our nation. We know and you know that many of our members and, the, and their families face difficult medical conditions, depression, despair, and other physical and mental challenges. The list in our bulletin is long, growing weekly, and the suffering great. You are the great physician, and your thought alone would heal those in distress, but your timing is perfect, and our patience is short. Please, Holy Spirit, strengthen our endurance as we await our Lord's healing grace in his perfect time. Thank you for sending friends to carry your word of comfort when we struggle. We really desire peaceful hearts, and only you, Holy Spirit, can provide this blessing. We give you special thanks for those in our congregation and others in the prayer chain who pray relentlessly to you for the needs of others. We especially give you thanks for the one you have provided us who coordinates all the prayers offered throughout the week while adding personal prayers on behalf of those who suffer. Holy Spirit, please watch over this person and grant whatever peace, comfort, and strength you know is needed to support this Christian servant. Thank you especially and always for the gift of your Son, our eternal Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. Will you please stand if you're able? <clears throat> Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection he opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he gave thanks. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You ever hear a pastor call himself and every other pastor out there a waiter? That's all it is. That's all I am. And in a, in a sin-filled one as well. No different than anybody here. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior that answered a call that you gave, and he has used all of us to minister to a world that needs to know the gospel truth. And so today, as I wait on you as you come forward, it's his words of institution that he gave to his people, his ministers, his pastors to speak. It is his true body, his true blood, and the word, and the Holy Spirit, combined with your faith, that makes this powerful, that makes this do its work, which imparts grace, salvation, rescues from death and the devil, and delivers you eternal peace and joy with him in heaven. Now, if that's your confession, that's an awful lot, but I heard you say it. I've heard you pray it. I know you believe it. Then come. The table is prepared for you. You may be seated.
truth is, he gives us all the opportunity to be waiters and to serve. He equips us all with his word. And he equips us all with a heart for him. So now the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our closing hymn is Thy Word. <laughs>